Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal for June 17th, a beautiful, sunny Saturday morning with the crispness to the air. It feels good to have some cooler temperatures. There's some energy not only in us to be spurred by this, but even the plants get a little reprieve. They're able to take up that moisture that is much needed after such a hot stretch, but the temperatures maybe coming back soon to hot summer months. But June is quickly flying by. We're at the midway time. But yet gardening is just starting. You can see the beauty that is being created of what's happening, what's been in bloom, and what yet is to come into bloom. June is the month, and we're still gardening. Take a listen. This is June. Oh, what is sweeter than the month of June when our senses thrill and our hearts keep tune to the song of the birds and the rose in bloom? Oh, what is more joy than the early gray of a dewy morn and the sun's first ray that herald the dawn of a perfect day? Oh, what is more fair as the sun climbs high than the azure hue of a summer sky? And the snow-white clouds drifting idly by? Oh, what is more pure than the summer air That wafts from the woodlands and the gardens fair? A fragrance, a perfume, so rich and rare. Oh, what is more dear than the twilight hour When the daylight fades and each nodding flower Is kissed by the moonlight's mystic power? Oh, summer queen, You are gone too soon with your sunny days and your shining moon, when your golden grain and your wealth of bloom. And if we could hold some magic way to your trailing robes for a single day, dear month of June, we bid you to stay. It is June, halfway through. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Show. And yes, we're into June. It's so green. And the flowers are just starting to go and grow. You remember a couple of weeks ago when we started putting some of our plants in because we had said such an early start. Those young start plants look so small putting them into the garden. And all they needed was a little bit of moisture after all that little warmth that's on there. Maybe we had to do a little extra watering during those hot days. But you see that they're starting to emerge. They're starting to take off. So if they have not started to take off, because yes, sometimes we get phone calls saying, why are my plants not looking like they are growing or starting to take over or starting to go? The heat may have been a factor that's on there. Watering is key for all items that are newly planted. There is a regime of things that you need to do to keep moisture on the roots. But when I say keep moisture on the roots, do not overwater because there could be a demise on some plants, especially if they like to go a little bit drier between it, because overwatering can uh, cause a demise just as much as underwatering. 
So if your plants have, have not started to start producing secondary, third, fourth, fifth sets of, of leaves yet, check and see because there's one conversation that also could affect this is maybe the compaction of the garden that you put it into. So in some cases, some of our soils revert back to maybe a little bit harder than what we usually want. And just by digging a harder, like getting in there a little bit harder and digging a hole and gently putting it in there and not having a good medium banked around those roots will cause some plants to stay, yes, just the same shape. So if that's the case, a little bit of tilling around, lightening up it, and maybe adding a little bit of sea soil or a good, nice compost around those roots so that they can anchor away and get growing and giving you that beauty that they want to show you would be probably a little task that we can do, especially on a cooler day. And thinking about gardening, uh, some people are just starting. I'm going to put my hand up. Yep, it's in the air. Uh, I'm a little bit like the shoemaker's son. I finally got to be able to play in my own garden. And I call it play at work too. You may uh, come by and every now and then you'll see me out there. And I like to take times to play away from the little bit of the office work that's always managed with the business and go and get my hands dirty. I love it. And playing in my own yard, I did. I was able to do a little bit of very light pruning, but digging the soil, I got my tomatoes in. So yes, too, I am babying them, waiting for that secondary, third leaf to emerge. And oh, the scent of tomatoes when you're working with them, they just make your, start to salivate to think of all that new taste. Because don't you realize on some plants, oh, the taste of a fresh grown tomato outbeats any store-bought tomato anytime. Let's go right to the lines. We have Walter on the line waiting. Good morning, Walter. Hello, how are you? I'm good. And where are you calling from today, Walter? Oh, St. James. I called you last week, but I forgot to ask you one question, so I have to call you today. Oh, well, that's okay. That's okay? Yes, okay. What's your question? Uh, about the apple tree. My apple tree is pretty old already, but then every year it was, sometimes it wouldn't have too many apples, but most of the time it's just loaded. Uh, this year, she started to dry from the north east side like some branches are, are are look like they're dead but in the end of the branches the two or three leaves on them okay check it and how old is the how old is your tree about 45 years old Ooh. okay <laughs> uh, uh what you do is sometimes um if you can see does it look like the, they're drying out and they're actually the leaves are like very crisp well uh you see, the worms hit overnight that I sprayed them a couple of times and the worms are all off. But the leaves are still on there, but they don't look very appetizing. Not very um, uh, lively, you know, but they're, they're getting better since I got the worms off. Okay, well, the effect that you can sometimes get on apple trees, there is a disease, and I'm not going to say it is because... If you could take a snippet of a small piece of it or get some photo- uh, pictures to a garden center or send some pictures to your garden center, or even if you want to email it to the Lawn Garden Journal, they can forward it to me. There is a disease called fire blight that affects a lot of apple trees, which will cause almost like it looks like it's been scorched. on Yeah, the- yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Okay, so it looks like it's been scorched. But yeah. the other thing, too, is what... I'm kind of thinking is if you did spray 
for the worms, if you sometimes, sometimes when we spray things in the heat of temperature, they can also cause leaves to curl and uh, look bad. But I would be more curious to see what the branching looks like, not necessarily the leaves. Oh, because okay. it's, it's, it's kind of a dark and kind of the, 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 the bark is kind of a curling on it. Okay, so if it's dark on the, yeah, on the bark, yeah, yeah. I think you have probably fire blight. Um, is there a way that you can take a sample of that in a clear plastic bag? Because we don't want to spread disease and we don't want it to introduce that to your favorite haunt of garden center that you go to. But um, I suspect that you would probably have fire blight, which you literally have to cut those branches out. But just make sure that when you're cutting it out, between your cuts, I always like to endorse that uh, bleaching water on your secateurs or loppers or whatever, okay? Yeah, but uh, is it okay to cut them out now, the branches? You can cut them out now. If oh, it's the okay. fire bite that's on there, you can cut it out. I'm going to do that. Um, uh, yes, I went to ask one other guy, Bruce, there on... on, on uh, just west of Winnipeg, and he said, oh, how old is the tree? I said, about 40, 45 years old. Oh, that, she's dead already. She's too old. Oh. And I told him, I'm going to be 80, 85, and I'm still hitting around the good yet, so. <laughs> well, you know what? Crop management, there's a lot of, like, even if you think of uh, the wineries, I know eventually they recycle and they produce n new crops and new uh, branches yeah. and new canes. But crop management... You can have some longevity in them. And uh, just an example, my brother lives in Brandon, and in the little back knoll where he has in the back, he has the most gloriously shaped pear tree that is gorgeous. I don't know how old it is, but it is beautiful. So there is longevity on some of those old trees. Yeah, well, we had a lot of apples for many years, and uh, many, many, many years, but the we're just about out to move out of here, but whatever. I still would, would like to see it. So you want me to take out the uh, to take out the dry ones now, eh? Yeah, you can take out the dry ones, but make sure when in between your cuts from one branch to the other. Yeah, and I want even, you to even clean your though purse. if they got the two or three leaves in the end on the long branch, I'd still take them off. Well, if it looks if the branch is blackened and brown. No. Then it's then it's most likely struggling. But if it's just if the leaves are crisp themselves, I'm I'm just maybe curious. Maybe we sprayed something that maybe was on there that caused the effect of the leaves to shrivel. Just but if the branches are brown and blackened, yeah. then I suspect that you that you may have fire blight. Okay. That's I sprayed the mouth I need for the, okay. the bugs because bugs are terrible in St. James here. Oh yeah, I know. That's um, uh, it's yeah. Those canker worms are just a little bit bad. That's on there. Okay, okay. I thank okay. you. Okay. I thank you very much. You have yourself a good day. You too, Walter. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. And you know what? There's some things that we can do. Uh, there are some uh, like with the use that Walter used the melathion, but also remember there are other products that we can use uh, that's on there. There is one that just comes to mind. It's called BTK. Uh, Bacillus thuringius kerspaki, if I say it right. If I didn't, I'm sorry, but you can ask for BTK at your garden center. Uh, it takes a little bit longer for the canker worm to demise because it affects uh, the worm stage of it. And uh, 
if you're a little leery of it, don't worry. If a, if the birds get the, the worm after he's had a little bit, it does not affect the birds. It just affects the worm. All right. And I should say it's a beautiful gardening day. Yes. Who doesn't, you know, if you have a garden, you always want to go out and you're drawn to go to the garden. Whether you take a cup of lemonade or you take your cup of coffee or tea and you do a walkabout in your garden. Yes, you assess things silently and with a little bit of a smile of appreciation and probably a little bit of a pat on the back to say, yes, I did that. I gardened. I made that beautiful. Or a little pat on the back to say, I will look after that and I will care for that, just like Walter is doing with his tree. Now, Walter, you've got me spurred to the thought of just uh, doing, uh, talking about more fruits. Yes, I have. Sometimes when they come in the morning, I have us all lined up sort of in order of what should we talk about. (coughs) Sorry, tickle in the throat. And sometimes the conversation changes with your phone calls because then we kind of look at different things and we assess different things. So right now the lines are open, 1-800-374-3315. Give me a shout. Let me know what you're doing in your garden. Let me know what's happening in your garden. Give us that visual effect that you see because sharing our gardens is what this is all about. And sharing is part of the conversation I wanted to have. And I'm glad it started off the morning with a conversation on fruit because I had a very, uh, very nice guest that came in to see me. Sometimes I do see some of you that listen, you pop in and I love it when you stop and say, hey, how are you? And that you're listening because I know you're there. Some of you may be too shy to call in. That's okay too. But uh, this week, I had a lovely lady come in. She had her daughter drive her in. It was from Tina. And a lot of you have been asking about the rhubarb slush. Yes, and I did have the number before. And as life gets busy, I did not call. And lo and behold, Tina showed up and graciously has given me her recipe for rhubarb slush. So I'm going to list this off because I think it's so in tune to what we're doing. And if you are quickly running for the uh, pen and a paper, you know what? We'll post it. We'll put it up there. And it'll also, uh, I should shout out that if you want to listen to some of the shows and some of the past shows, there is a little podcast. So if you have access to internet, yes, you can find all of our podcasts that are still there. So if you're out and about traveling or away, you can always go back and find it. If it's your grandchild that's over and you don't have that technology, hey, it's something to learn. Hey, can you show me? And I could just see you grabbing that little iPad from the granddaughter to listen to the home and <laughs> the lawn and garden show. Anyway, rhubarb slush. 10 cups of cold water, 10 cups of fresh or frozen rhubarb, cut into a half inch pieces, 3 cups of granulated sugar. One 170-gram box of strawberry jello powder. One-half to to two-thirds cups of lemon juice, either bottled or freshly squeezed. Yep, freshly squeezed is where I'm at, my route. So cook for 30 minutes on medium heat. Reduce heat. Simmer for one hour. Drain the rhubarb juice and keep for the slush. Oh, does this not sound yummy? It does for sure. So I'm going to continue and this looks like it's going to take up for 
a lot. It makes a lot. And one of the uh, things that she did recommend that it makes a big batch. So you want to keep it in the freezer. Or if you want to, make a big batch and share it with your friends. I want to thank uh, Tina for stopping by. I know uh, Marilyn is waiting patiently. But she did say that this recipe she found at a event and she found it in the Saskatchewan Ladies Cookbook first edition and I must admit a lot of those cookbooks that you get from your communities I remember the Colorado Community Cookbook and even some of my mom's cookbooks that she has collected recipes from way back in Saskatchewan good morning mom and those are the best share them share your recipes, and we're sharing our recipes for gardening right now too as well. So I will post that if you want it up on the rest, on the thing. Otherwise, uh, we'll try to figure out somehow how we can get it to everybody who wants rhubarb slush. Good morning, Marilyn. <laughs> Good morning, Carla. I'm sorry I've been waiting so long, but um, all I want to know is I, my garden, I have a balcony, and the flowers are just, they're just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So it was the first year I bought a mandevilla, and it's already five feet tall. Wow! And there's seven buds on it, all yeah. in a big, all in a cluster already. It's in bloom. All I want to know is what do I do with this thing in the winter time? Okay, beautiful. I'm going to start by asking you because I have visions of white, pink, and red in my head right now. Mine what is co- pink with, with a little bit of white edging. Oh, beautiful, beautiful! Amanda Villas are gorgeous. Yeah, it well, gives you that I'm tropical feel. It, it it took off, and it faces the east on my balcony. Yep. And all the rest of my flowers are just going crazy. Oh, beautiful, beautiful! I can just envision. A little chair sitting out there and having all this beautiful color around you. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I put, I put uh, pink and white, those uh, cascading double petunias. Oh, gorgeous. And the purple. And then I've got the uh, potato vine and the uh, creeping jenny and white geraniums and yellow bonanza marigolds. That's well, that... Cousin. That is beautiful, and I love the combination, and you know what, any recipe, we're kind of on the recipe tone here, <laughs> but the the recipe that each of us create, you can see the visual beauty and see the color combination, so that looks like a beautiful garden for you, beautiful. I but, usually do the same nearly every year, <laughs> oh, but, you, I did, but I didn't ha- ever do a mandevilla. I used to do the uh, morning glories, but I never had much luck with them. Well, so this yeah. year I broke down and spent a little extra and bought this mandevilla. But I don't know what to do. Do I take it in in the fall? Yes. You're going to take it. Do, do I you, cut it back? Yes, because I have visions that if it's five feet tall now, and hopefully you have a beautiful trellis that you can get some added it's height on and more a flowers. Trellis plus the, I've got a steel pole on my balcony, and it's starting to creep around the the uh, pole already. Wow. After the four-foot trellis. (laughs) (laughs) I have, okay, you are highly recommended to cut that down before you bring it in, because otherwise you're going to have this beautiful tendril. That's why I thought I'd better phone you and find out how far back do I cut this thing down. Okay. Because it says it can grow six to ten feet. 
Yeah, well, six to ten feet, that is beautiful. If you get it that high, I want to see a picture. The okay, there. because that's what it said on, on, it says on the little tag that's on there. Yeah, but yeah. What, you're, what I'm going to probably recommend that you do, if it's at five feet high now, yes. what you can do is to, and if it's only one to three stems that are going up, what you can do is you can cut the leaders, like the, the, the new additional tender growth that it keeps going up and up. If, yeah. you, if you give that a pinch on the next new set of leaves that are coming up, pinch it, what you're going to do is you're going to increase the girth of it because okay. wherever below there is a leaf set, it's going to want to produce more branches. Okay, I'm going to do that because there is all new stuff coming out with tiny little leaves on it already, long tendrils. Yes, so if you give it a slight pinch, and it's so early in the season yet that if you give it that little pinch back, now let's say you're, you're going to stop it and say, I'm going to stop you at five foot. I want more like growth and girth in you, so then you can let it go. Let it yeah. go to the heavens after that. Let it, but because get as many tendrils going up as you can, because the more two, tendrils you have, the more blooms you're going to have. Well, and there's already two more sets of blooms, and there's like six on each on those little things that come out. Yes. I've got two more starting. Oh, I, you were just going to have this little little balcony of mandevilla blooms just going, and you've probably got the sweetest spot for it. I do. It's right in the corner facing the the east, and it yeah. gets the sun until one thirty. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's a there's a conversation. I know Diane's waiting patiently, but there is a conversation too that when most plants say that they like full sun, they love full sun. But it's, you probably heard me before, I can be in the full sun all day, but the afternoon sun just kind of gives me that little bit of tiredness. Yeah, a, It's okay to have a little bit of shade in the afternoon. Well, it, it, it says on the hybrid tag, it says full sun or part sun. Yep, yep. So I'm so okay. You're but, okay. So I, cut it down, I cut it back in the fall and then I, I can bring it in and put it in my sunny window. You certainly can. And if you want to cut it back by, okay, let's say if it's 10 feet, you're going to cut it back. You can cut it back to probably three feet on a little trellis. Okay. You're not going to hurt it. But no. then bring it indoors. Uh, and the other thing, too, is um, when we're speaking about fall, I know we don't want to really talk about fall, but the care of it would be to make sure that you wash it off really, really well because yeah. nature is part of bees and bugs. And yeah, the I bug, know that. Yeah. yeah. So and what about fertilizing? Keep up your fertilizer. If it's in a container pot, you can do, if you have houseplant fertilizer 2020, okay, you can use that, it. Yeah. Or if you have like annual uh, fertilizer, like 15, 30, 15, to mm-hmm. really punch on that, that could be used too as well. And how often should I do it? Well, if you're, I, my rule of thumb is, and I kind of, uh, uh, black sheep there, if I have hangy baskets and pots that I'm watering every day, morning and night, when we yeah. get excessive heat, if you find that you only fertilize once a week, sometimes if you're giving a proper watering, by day five or day six, you're drenching out any residual that yeah. the plant hasn't given up. So I slightly dilute my fertilizer, and I like doing twice a week. Because yeah, because I, I haven't like... even done it yet, because I just planted it in the miracle Grow pot, yep. you know, well, soil that says yep. it's got fertilizer in. So, and I planted my plants early. Yeah. And I planted them at the 17th of May. Well, we were we had some good weather. We don't, yeah. you know, and if you 
put some plants, like if you planted in soils, which a lot of soils do have fertilizer units in them that say that they have yeah. resor- uh, reserved fertilizer in it for like one to two months. That's Just right, remember, yeah. yeah, and there's slow-release fertilizers that you could put the granular in there just in case you skip a fertilizer. Okay. Okay? All right. Okay, thanks a lot, Carla. I appreciate it very much. I just wanted to know what I do with this thing in the wintertime. <laughs> you know what? We had a big conversation all over one little conversation, but it's it's we we educate everyone. Yes. Okay? All right. Thanks, Carla. Bye-bye. Oh, bye-bye, bye-bye Marilyn. Have a good bye-bye. day. Bye-bye. Uh, Parker, we're going to go to Diane. She's been waiting. I'm sorry if we need to take a break, but I really want to get Diane on here. Hi, Diane. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for calling in. How can we help I'm, you? I'm calling about a rose um, in our Memorial Rose Gardens. We have over 100 of them, and for some reason they're blooming early. They're in full bloom now. Usually it's July 1st, but anyway. <laughs> One of them, the, the centers of the leaves are a light color. Yep. It, it doesn't look healthy. Every, all the other roses look pretty healthy, but this one, just the the center of all the leaves is almost a lime green. And do you see dark green veining, like of uh, the ribbing of the of that uh, leaf? Mm, a little bit, yes. Okay, so you could be a little... It's, um, because roses, and I know that I know exactly what we're talking about. A lot of plants are, are probably a little bit blooming, a little bit sooner out of their regime because we did start early and the season started early. I know the mock orange here in the garden center is normally not in bloom right now, and it is in bloom. If you yes. want to walk an aisle of uh, that scent of orange blossoms, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, it smells so good. So yes. Things have progressed a little bit faster out of its normal, maybe about, about about a week or two for sure. But roses themselves are heavy feeders. And I find that once they give that, start giving that little umpa of I'm giving you flower, 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 that's a lot of energy and they are heavy feeders. And sometimes uh, even though they're in one area and one is like five feet away from another one and one is just straining, Try and give it a little bit of an extra boost with fertilizer. Okay. Or uh, if you see the outline of a leaf that's yellowing, but yet this, like there is a definite shape where you see veining that goes from the bottom of the leaf to the tip and then the radiating veins outwards. If they're brighter green than the rest of the leaf, you could be a little bit uh, showing a little bit of chlorosis that's on there. So adding a little bit of chelated iron will help to green those leaves up. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay, so can do there that. Could be, there could be some other deficiencies that are in there too as well, but if you tried using a little bit of NPK ratio for roses, then you'll get a broad spectrum of additional feed that's in there. Okay. Okay? So, I'm sorry, what did you say I should use? Chelated iron. Chelated iron. Yeah, chelated irons. And we see that once, um, once leaves start turning yellow, there's more of an effect from sun scald to happen on that leaf because the chlorophyll acts as a protectant, just like our sunscreen on us Mm -hmm. acts to cause us not to burn. Mm -hmm. Well, the chlorophyll protects the plants, right? So, and the other thing too is um, we haven't talked about bugs because I don't like talking about bugs all the time, but 
Take a look at the back sides of the leaves too because uh, roses also will get spider mites. Uh, they'll also get thrips. So take a look to see if there's any bugs, okay? Uh, sure, I will certainly look for bugs. Yeah, and if you have a really calm day, don't take a leaf inside the house, especially if you have house plants. But on a very calm day, if you're looking for uh, clues to this, a nice, clean, uh, white piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And generally, if you can go to the rose, if it's not a windy day, take a branch above it and kind of give it a little like a, you know how you um, a nice baked bread when you're making your dough you give it a nice little pat on the on the little bump of the bread with the nice flour casing give give the branching a tap 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 with the full scap underneath that branching and if you pull away if you have a magnifying glass you may see things crawling especially spider mites or the thrips you'll see them okay right and if that's the case, then you give me a call back and then uh, you would have to then do a regime of maybe a spray so it doesn't go from that one rose to your other roses, okay? Right, right, yeah. okay. Yeah, take action oh. right away if you see it, if it's a bug, because a memorial garden with 100 roses, oh, that's... Yeah, that would, that would not be good. <laughs> Where is this garden? In Rose Isle. Where? Rose Isle? It's- Rose Isle. And wow, that would... Have you ever posted a picture of it? Um, uh, and no. what kind of roses do you have in this? Like, oh, we, okay. have, we have many, many roses. And, and the, one that, the one that's just making a fabulous show right now is the Above and Beyond the Climber. Oh, oh. my goodness, they're both just loaded. I actually deadheaded yesterday, got a wheelbarrow full of deadhead, you know, spent yep. lessons. Yeah. So wow. that's really early to be deadheading. We don't usually have to deadhead this early. Okay, so that's 100 roses. Like, I'm just, okay, everybody, take a, take a pause. And I know that Parker's probably going, we need a break, we need a break. But the visual effect that you have of 100 roses, how many people, like, is it a community garden that everyone goes out there and has a deadheading party? Uh, we have a committee. That, yeah. that works in it, a committee of, yeah, just, just a few, just a handful of people. Wow. And we have some volunteers who help us as well. We just call, we say, we need to deadhead, and they'll come and, and deadhead. And with pruning, they help in the spring with pruning. Yeah, it, it's fabulous. You should really see it. You know what? I'm going to Google you on the map. Where would be, like, I've not, okay, so where is Rose Isle? Rose Isle? Yeah. It's halfway between Carmen and Notre Dame de Lure. Okay, I'm going to look you up because I might take a day off. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, need, you need rose. to take a day off. It, it, it's fabulous. It's, it's uh, des- professionally designed. Yeah. And it, it really is something to see. Okay, and how many varieties? Okay, everybody is going to want to go to Rose Isle, Manitoba. I hope and so. Take, <laughs> and take a look at it. And if you have a little cafe shop, stop in and have some we coffee. Do have. There we you do go. Have. I because I just I know how many roses we have around on display. We have a huge fountain with that I just love the sound of water around our rose display here. And I know visually like I love like I I I actually love yellow roses. Like, you know, um mm-hmm. there's yellow roses, there's the Winnipeg Rock Parks roses. I'm just rambling. I remember my when we bought my first house, my mom and dad gave us roses, Jean Cabot, Champlain, like they are 
beautiful roses and to have climbing roses in a garden yeah ours are ours are all like they're all prairie harder with the hardy with the exception of two which uh, we kind of inadvertently put in and they're zone five and they have survived now this is their fourth year <laughs> we're pretty wow. excited about that <laughs> well you know what you should give those names uh find out those names and let us know because we're always looking for ones and this is a good success story that some zone fives have not been tested in our manitoba climate that do survive right well we have you know there's some new ones like peach lemonade is absolutely gorgeous and and then the above and beyond and um Never Alone, and some of the newer varieties, uh, Lottie's Love is another one that's kind of a purplish red, and oh, it's just lovely. <laughs> well, Lottie's Love, I, I love that one, because I stock that one, and there's one too that I really love, it's an older one, but it blooms in June, and it's Persian Shield, and that is just an outstanding... I'm sorry, goes, what, what's that one? Persian Shield. I don't think we have that one, how did we miss that? <laughs> Well, if you look up Persian Shield, it's an older variety. It gets it only blooms in June, but it is a strong yellow rose. It, okay. Yeah. Oh, There's a movie what? about a yellow rose or a song about a yellow rose. There you go. Right. Okay. Yellow rose, the yellow rose of Texas. We have a few yellows and they tend to be not quite as hardy as the pinks and the and the whites and whatever and the reds, but but we do have a few yellows and then Well, it, Yes. Think about think about adding a Persian Shield if you can find it. Try and think about it because it, it's outstanding. I think we actually now that I think of it, we may have one. I got to go check the tag go on check it. Go <laughs> check. I have a map too that says what we've got where. Anyway, well, yes, come to Rosile. Ah, uh, everything well, happens in Rosile. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank those, you so those much. Who know us who will, will be laughing? <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, and you gave us a vision of this rose garden. Thank you so much. And I will, I will send you, um, I'll send you some email pictures. I'm not on Facebook deliberately, so, but I'll send nope. you some email pictures. If you send us some email pictures, I would love to share it with people because this this garden has to be seen. All right. All right. Take care. I also, I also have a drone visual overhead, so oh, I'll send you that well, too. Okay, send me that too. We we have to get some people out there to see this because if gardeners love it. They got to be seen. Yeah, absolutely, and yes, there is a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you okay. for your tip. Yeah, thanks. Bye bye. Can you see the vision? Gardening gives us connection. Gardening gives us flowers, smiles, fruit, life. That's what gardening does, and even um, gifts right? Uh, I was gifted something very sweet today and it was a braid of sweet grass that's on there. A little bit, yes. Sweet grass gives you memories of people gone. It gives you heritage. It gives you some things that you're seeing about it. And there are different forms of plants that are affected by different people. Even the beauty of a few blades of grass. It's not just the flowers. Imagine a field full of grass, tall, blowing in the wind. Beauty. It's beauty in that too. And there's meaning with sweet grasses that are on there. We know that with some of our indigenous uh, cultures that are out there. Yes. Hello, Grandma. Hello, Dad. 
It's there. And the gifts that we give and the gifts that we give each other is there's a praise in that. There's heritage in that. Even right down to the gift of giving me a recipe on rhubarb slush, which we will share with everyone that's in there. It's there. And in praise of the fruit, because we haven't even talked about apples, uh, pears, peaches, no, not necessarily peaches, but pears, apricots grow here. Hascaps, that's a whole discussion, maybe coming up, we'll talk about the hascaps. But for today, I've got a little, I've got a little poem for you. This is in praise of the rhubarb. Take a listen. So prolific, like a weed, spreads around when gone to seed. So enduring, it survives on its own. It grows, it thrives. Leaves enormous, wide and green, makes homemade insecticide. Luscious stems of red and green, healthy, benefits widespread. High in antioxidants, eating rhubarb just makes sense. Helps to maintain the healthy bones. Yes, skin retains to its youthful tones. Fiber in the rhubarb stalks cleans coleosterolic, I hope I said that right, blocks. Pick the stalks and eat them raw. Chop and add them to coleslaw. Chopped and boil. They make a sauce. Spread on toast. On ice cream, toss. Add as thickener for jams. Use as glaze for roasted hams. Bake in muffins for a treat. Fill as pies. Such a scrumptious eat. Yes, the gift, and it's the gift of giving. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. As usual, it's fun talking to everyone and learning about gardening together. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.